Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Brainosaur presents the Weekday Warriors of Here we are. The Go Home WrestleMania show is here. I'm Eric Clancy, joined as always by Mr. Patrick Kelly. We are the Weekday Wars of Wrestling, presented to you by TheBrainosaur.com. Remember to share us, like us, tweet us, all those fun things. Um, Patrick, my man, how are you doing today as we build up to WrestleMania? I'm doing great. I am ready to experience the ultimate thrill ride. The ultimate thrill ride. Someone had a branding meeting. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, it's it was, better than a Dallas Cowboys star, but okay. Yeah, this is WrestleMania Sun. Better than the Dallas Cowboys star. Much better build-up than WrestleMania Play Button. It's it's better. Yep. Um, it's just too bad it has to be in that piece of shit Citrus Bowl. No, 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 Patrick. It's a totally different building now. Now it's Camping World Stadium. Oh, okay. I need to find out what camping world is, though. I guess it's where one might camp. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, that name's a bit on the nose, but sure. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It. They. They don't even have like a link to camping world when you go to the. Um, when you go to the the Wikipedia page. Uh, okay. Who cares? Anyway. Um. So. As opposed, here's how I think we should do this today, Patrick. Um. As opposed to doing, like, let's go over the shows, let's talk about that, I'm going to, we're going to talk about the WrestleMania card, I'm going to go through the matches from top to bottom, so to speak, and then we, and we'll basically talk about them and how we, how we feel about them, and we can talk about any interesting developments that happened on Raw, how about that? Sure, sounds good to me. Okay, so, um... Ugh, I don't want to start off with this one because it kind of sucks. Um, so let's start off with this one because I don't think it's going to suck. Um, Neville and Austin Aries. And let's talk about this one because, uh, no, I haven't seen 205 Live from this week. But um, I think, and this is, the, this, is the, this is actually the corporate, where WWE normally excels in this kind of stuff, making very corporate brand conscious decisions and I think and a lot of times they do that for the sake of stories and I think they they made a mistake here because I think this should be on the main show if you're trying to establish different brands Raw, Smackdown, the Cruiserweights, um, the UK circuits all those things you've got to make them feel like they're not secondary I mean even if they are I think putting Neville and Austin Aries on the main show and bumping off something like, I don't know, the fucking, like, 
the the the, the raw tag I, match or something. I was you just know? gonna say I'd rather see this, even though they just added a ladder match stipulation to the tag title match. I'd still rather see this over the tag title match because this one has a story that I care about. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think this is the, and you and I have talked about this. We think that this feud has been probably the best possible thing they could have done for the cruiserweight division building up to this. Um, we they have not done great with the with the with the cruiserweight division before this. Um, T.J. Perkins as a babyface champion was kind of a failure. Um, Rich Swan, I guess, was an improvement, but still not much better. Bringing Neville back, who was a character that people knew and had an emotional connection to, and turning him into this, like, Goldberg of the cruiserweight division, and then bringing in Austin Aries, regardless of what you think about Austin Aries, he's hugely over, people care about him. Putting two names in the match um, made this an actual marquee match. Uh, so that said, you put it on the main card so you so 205 Live isn't looked at as an afterthought show. And I think they are starting to branch out with, with 205 Live. The matches are getting a little bit better. They're allowing some of the characters to become established. But it takes time, you know. Um, and I think so, Neville helped out with that greatly. Like you said, he was the one that was already an established character and the fans actually cared about. So going in this direction with him kind of – help the pieces fall into place a little bit and some other guys started to find their footing uh, with Neville at the core of the whole thing. Yeah, and now you have a division that has a few guys that the audience can latch on to. There's Neville, there's Aries, there's um, Gallagher. My favorite, Gallagher. Yeah, there's um, you know, Swan, yeah, Tazawa, there's Kendrick, um, you know, there's, there's um, uh, Cedric, you know, there's a few guys there and, and no, as long are. Yeah, as long as they start to to continue to develop them, it can be something special. It can be the most like WCW's Cruiserweight division that they have. And it, it is a deep division, which is important. You do have multiple feuds going on. So, I mean, already there's an improvement there. It's just about getting those characters and, and getting hits, so to speak, for characters. So, I mean, I, I think I think this feud is great. Um, you know, my, my idea was to maybe have Cedric, uh, then this was in January, Cedric go for, for Neville for the title, but I think this plan was actually a lot better. Um, uh, so it's a shame it's on the pre-show. I mean, I know they say, oh, the pre-show and the main show isn't much of a difference, but um, I think you, uh, I, I would love to throw this on there and, like you said, throw throw off the tag match because it's it's it doesn't really need to be there. <laughs> so um, And it's part of this weird logic that the WWE has. I'm sure their mindset was like, well, Neville and Aries, they aren't draws like, say, Goldberg and Lesnar or, or Undertaker or a litany of other part-timers that they always throw out there at Mania time. But my, my mindset is you're not giving them the opportunity to eventually become those draws that you're saying they're not. You're just kind of like just designated, oh, well, they're not draws. So, eh. so Yeah, it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly, yeah. And it, it's like, yeah, maybe they're not, but, like, they're the top two shards <laughs> – stars from that show that you're heavily pushing and want to be a success on your network. So maybe you should put them on there. Like, I mean, I like whatever, it's going to be a good match. It's fine. I'm just saying for their branding purposes and they care about the content that is on their network, they should probably push that more than they're pushing a fucking triple threat match that we've seen like a thousand times, but with a ladder thrown in, which is the fucking laziest writing ever. Yeah, exactly. And it's, 
interesting and good that the Cruiserweight match, they kept it at one-on-one, which I think is better. Yeah. As opposed to, you look at the two women's matches where they threw everybody they possibly could out there. You look at the tag match, they threw three teams out there, and it, it just feels a bit overly cluttered. Not WrestleMania 2000 bad, but kind of cut from that same cloth. But with the Cruiserweights, like, yeah, a lot of guys get left off the show, but you have this one match that really feels like it matters. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, what, for, a, for a company that doesn't put a lot of people on the WrestleMania card, this company's putting a lot of people on the WrestleMania card. I mean, like, which to a point is good, but it makes it, if, if every tag team in the WWE, which to my knowledge, I think every Raw tag team is in this match, with the exception of, like, the Shining Stars and, like, Golden Truth, um, it makes it feel less special, you know, like Neville and Austin Aries makes it feel more, makes the cruiserweight match, like you just said, feel more special because, oh, Gallagher's not there. Tazawa is not there. Kendrick's not there. Swan's mm-hmm. not there. Like all these guys aren't there because these are the two best and they, they've got their spot. You know, that makes it feel like a bigger deal. So, um, yeah, it uh, makes you kind of feel bad for Gallagher. It's like, man, that loss to Neville really hurt him because it basically lost him a mania spot. Yeah, yeah. Which which um, provides, you know, context and meaning behind a lot of this stuff, which is sorely missing. Yeah, I agree, I agree. So with that segue, why don't we roll into the triple threat ladder match then? Oh, that match that we do not care about. They just announced, I think, yesterday that it was going to be a ladder match, and I still don't care. If anything, that makes me care less, because it's like, oh, God, here we go, another multi-man ladder match at WrestleMania. I thought we were going to escape it this year, but nope. They just fucking have to do it. Like... It's ever they're always like, well, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon did it, and everybody liked it, and it's like, yeah, but uh, do you remember the story attached to that match? Because I, yeah. I don't think you do. <laughs> and it's also like they had never had they had never had a ladder match before on on a televised show, you know. So it's like it was special, and now they're like, let's just do it once a year forever, <laughs> with no story at all. So nobody cares. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, what what do you want to say about this one? Uh, the only thing I can think of, uh, you know, Cesaro is going to do some crazy stuff. You know that. But other than that, uh, and, and even the spots, like, we kind of talked about this already, but these multi-man ladder matches, they all look the same after a while. So really, who cares? It's just six guys that are going to go out there and kill themselves for a match that nobody's going to remember in two weeks. Yep. Um, okay, so let's go... Uh... Let's segue back to the pre-show then. Let's go to the 2017 Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I feel like I, I feel like Patrick. There, there's only one winner for this, right? Like this, it, it's got to be Strowman. It has to be. Yeah, because he's gotten so screwed. But I, I feel like he's Edge. Does, does that make sense? Like I feel like he's Edge in 2006. Whereas like this guy, this kid has done everything correctly that you you want him to do. He's he's gotten over. Um, he's had good matches. Um, you know, got a ratings like, bump. Yeah, got a ratings bump. Um, people are into him, and they're like, "Well, we're gonna go with our like, we're gonna go with our long-standing thing," you know, as opposed to adding him to the Roman Reigns Undertaker match, which I mean, I guess is a blessing because then he's not gonna get squashed by someone. But it's just like it sucks that this kid did. Oh, he's not a kid. He's thirty-three. But it sucks that this guy you know, did such a good job. And, I mean, I hope he wins this thing because he should. And, like, he should fucking crush Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam for the title. Like, like I, you know, like, uh, I say make a new star. Um, 
So, I mean, it's got to be Strowman. I feel like they're building between Strowman and Big Show. But, I mean, I don't see anyone else who could win it unless there's some crazy surprise entrant. I don't think it's going to be Nakamura because I think he's coming up the, the days after. Um, I, I can't see I've anyone else I've heard Balor thrown around. I've heard uh, some people have said Samoa Joe. I say absolutely not. And let me just, to build off of, like, the Strowman thing that, you know, you just mentioned, um, I know a lot of people uh, in the, you know, the – internet wrestling community, for lack of a better term. Uh, they all love Samoa Joe. I think Strowman is ten times better than Samoa Joe right now. And if it came down to the two of them, I would say absolutely go with Strowman, hands down. I agree. Because, like, first of all, Joe's, like, 38 years old. Strowman's 33. Joe's been around for a while. Joe's beat up. He's not in the, the, the condition he once was. Strowman's younger. He's fresher. And by the way, Strowman's fucking like six foot ten or something. Joe's like shorter than I am, and it's like, like I get it. He's a, he's a wider guy, so it's not like he's smaller or whatnot. But like, fucking Strowman's a legit mo- a legit monster, not like an indie monster where it's like these everyone mm-hmm. else is four foot two, so this guy looks big. He's a legit monster. And yeah. uh, I I think he's so much more valuable to the brand than than. Um, than Joe is, and I think he's been like, Joe puts on these matches, and there's, like, I, I, this is so weird, because I don't know how to, like, I don't know how to, to phrase this, but he puts on these matches, and they're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. They're like, they should be good. I just don't fucking care. You know what I mean? Like, like he's not doing anything wrong. I just don't give a shit, you know? I think part of it is, We've been watching Joe for years. Obviously, I can't speak for anybody. WWE fans are probably seeing Joe for the first time. I've, you and I have both seen Joe for years. I felt like he was better like a decade ago. And what you're seeing now is, as I said before, he's kind of a half-speed version of what he used to be. So to us, he's not as impressive. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, and again, I keep making comparisons to Rob Van Dam. And every time Rob Van Dam comes back, he looks a little bit slower, like a little bit less crisp. And it's just, eh. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a good comparison. I mean, I don't understand. Like, like Ziggler's not going to win it, um, and it would be wasted on Ziggler anyway. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't like see anyone else that could win it. It's. I think it's Strowman. I think you got to go with Strowman. Um, I, I think, I think the only one I could accept, and if he's a surprise return, uh, would be Finn Balor. That's the only one I could accept, and even that. I don't think he will be. Um, Mm -hmm. From what I understand, um, they have very big plans for Finn Balor. Um, Mm -hmm. From what I was told, um, you know, Finn Balor was going to be the dude to take the title through to like, like essentially what Kevin Kevin Owens got. I mean, I'm not not Mm -hmm. with that character, but he was going to have the title for that that whole time. He was going to feud with Reigns. He was going to win. I don't know if that means they were going to turn him heel or whatnot, but um, I, I, I think they're not going to. I don't think he's going to be at Mania. I think he'll be at the. He'll be on the night after, and he'll be in a major mm-hmm. angle, whether that's against Brock, whether that's against Roman. Um, I think he's going to be somewhere in there. So I don't think Balor's going to be there, um, and I don't think he needs to be there. I think it benefits yeah. Roman more than it benefits Balor. Balor, I think, is. Like Balor doesn't, and Balor doesn't need that thing. Like, like he doesn't need the battle royal. Yeah. Like Strowman does, and it helps. It gets the battle royal over because if if 
three big guys have won it recently. It like gives credence to like, oh, you can throw throw everybody over. So it actually gives credence to the fact that like, oh, the, the biggest guy is going to have the advantage, which they never had in battle royals forever. So I think it gets the battle royals. I think Andre more. was the only one that really did. And you know, I always heard Andre won more battle royals than every anybody. And it's like, yeah, but since him, how many big guys have consistently won a bunch of battle royals? It's very rare. I mean, yeah, they did a few like. Um, Dud. Like Yokozuna at the Rumble, but yeah, I mean, yeah. very. But but after that, very few. Um. So yeah, yeah, it's like you gotta you gotta show show don't tell, you know. So okay, so let's go to the final pre-show match. It is Alexa Bliss versus Becky Lynch versus Natalia versus Mickey James versus Carmella versus a returning Naomi, um, and First maybe more. Everybody. Yeah, it, it it is everybody. Um. Um. I don't know. I guess you give it back to Naomi. Honestly, I'd say just keep it on Bliss. I think she's probably the best option at this point. Yeah. And, you know, I know it's like a six or seven person match or whatever, which, you know, in those cases, all right, one fall to a finish. What are the chances that she's actually going to walk out with the belt? But to me, it would be such an anticlimactic way to take the belt off the heel that I'd just be like, just yeah. keep it on the heel and, until you come up with something better. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really interest me too much. I'm not like, I mean, both women's divisions have suffered because of a, a lack of depth. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that women's tournament that they're doing soon is going to kind of bring that up a little bit. Um, because, like, I mean, quite honestly, like, you know, their uh, NXT doesn't have a, uh, a bunch of women that are waiting to come up. Sure, they can bring up Asuka, but that's one person. Um and well, okay, you've got Asuka. Their number two is Ember Moon, and I, personal opinion, I, Ember's not bad, but I don't think she's there yet. No, I agree. I don't think she's there yet either. Um, and she's going to be anchoring that brand for the foreseeable future. And then you got Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, who are fine, but that's yeah. like it. you got Liv Morgan, who is not ready in a million years. I mean, maybe someday, <laughs> but not, not now. Um, you know, they just signed... They just signed uh, one of the three Black Lotus girls, um, oh, wow. and they're they're looking at getting more. So uh, that'll be a boon. But I mean, they need to keep like replenishing that system because it's like if you're gonna have two divisions, you need to like have people in it. Because right now, to my knowledge, like, can you think of outside of the four that are in the women's match? Can you think of anyone else that's on that show? Like Dana Brooke, I guess, right? Yeah, she and I was shocked that they didn't add her to it. Um, no, you're right. I, I guess Alicia Fox, but she's a valet now, so. Yeah, and she's on like 205. Yeah, so so there's like no one. You know, it's not like <laughs> there aren't like which hurts. It's like here, you're the only four people. What if there were four teams and they all played in the Super Bowl? Like, or they got in the playoffs every year? Like, who would give a shit? You know? Yeah. Oh no, you're exactly right. Um, and. God, I remember back in the day, you'd have, like, and I'm thinking about the tag division right now. You look back in the 80s, they had, like, 20-some teams. And I'm like, Did they have that many? It was a lot. Like, they had a lot of tag teams at one time. You look at the, Just look at the 87 and 88 Survivor Series. Uh, they were able to have two 20-man matches. Uh, and yeah. they, it almost made it, like, an annual thing. Cause they just had that many tag teams. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was, I mean, you know, everybody always talks about Oh, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s was great for for tag teams. And, you know, it was, 
but they ran out of depth really quick because they started breaking them up. And there was like only like at its peak, I'd say there was about 10, but they just didn't replenish. And you've always got to like, you got to constantly look to the future with that kind of stuff. And the 80s mm-hmm. and the early 90s, you're right, had so many. And it was like a legit thing when you were a tag champ. I mean, even I'm watching uh, I'm watching uh, Nitro in 96 right now. I mean, the tag titles in on that show are pretty important. Like when Sting and Luger had them and lose them to Harlem Heat, and they've got like Harlem Heat, the Road Warriors, the Steiners, Sting and Luger, um... Uh, Outsiders, were they there at that point? Yeah, yeah, they were there. Um, and then there's like, I'm forgetting other teams, but there were like lower card teams there. Um, so you had Dungeon like of Doom was still around. Yeah, yeah, you had uh, yeah, Faces of Fear. Um, you had a lot of teams there that were like, and it was a big deal. And it's like, it's it's just not that anymore. And I mean, we've said it time and time again. I wish one brand had gotten the women, one had gotten the tag teams. Mm-hmm. Cruiserweights can be their own show. I mean, there's just unless you're gonna pay all those guys, pay enough to have two viable divisions on each show, but they're not going to do that. So, you yeah. Know. Um, all right. So let's get to the main show. We talked about the triple threat ladder match. Let's talk about Dean Ambrose and Baron Corbin, Patrick. I'm a little surprised this one made the main show. When I, when you tell me about the, uh, the pre-show matches, I'm like, really? So the cruiserweight match gets bumped off and the IC title match gets to stay on, huh? Well, here's my thing. I mean, no knock on either guy. I'm just saying, like, you pick which match was more interesting to me and which one felt like it got promoted more. I would have said the Cruiserweight match. Well, I think this is because of their internal opinion, and to a degree, I get it. Ambrose is one of their guys. I I mean, I don't think they look at him like they look at Reigns or Rollins, but he's one of their guys, and they don't want him going from a match to Brock Lesnar to the next year being on the pre-show. I think that's Mm -hmm. something they want to avoid. Um they like Corbin too, and I think they wanted to get him on the show. And um, you know, it's been such a long time. I mean, to my knowledge, I would say the last time it happened was WrestleMania eighteen. Would be oh, the a last one-on-one time. IC title match. Yes, I think the last one I remember was. And this is not counting the pre-show, because we actually, uh, at 29, the one we went to, they had Miz and Barrett on the pre-show. But yeah, not including the pre-show. I think it's 18. I think, no, 25 was the last one I remember. It was Ray and JBL had that 10-second match. Oh, God, yes, you're right. Um, that was useful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, it's been, it's been a while, though. It's been like eight WrestleManias, yeah. you know? And before that, it had been like, you know, um, it I had been it like... I think it was the previous one. Yeah. It's 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 not good, you know. It's not a good good thing. So they need to rehab that. Um, I mean, I think the feud's been fine. It like is what it is. It's, it's solid. It's, yeah, it's it's by the numbers build. Like Ambrose eliminated Corbin in the elimination chamber. Corbin flips out, destroys Ambrose. So now they're gonna have a match. It's fine. Like it's it's nothing offensive to me. Yeah, they've had a distraction roll up or two, but you know, I mean, I think it's like. This is where we are as far as standards, but I think it's good where regular part timer I'm sorry, regular full timers are able to get one on one experience at WrestleMania. Like <laughs> I think that's valuable, you know. Somebody uh, at me and I wasn't aware of it. Dolph Ziggler has been with the company for like a decade now. He has never had a one on one match at WrestleMania. I believe that in a second. Yeah. I mean that's insane if you think about it, but it's true. 
Yeah. And it and you're right. It's like, you know, they're so focused on getting their, you know, the the part-timers and the big names and the big draws on there. And Punk kind of talked about this when he did his famous uh podcast, but you know, you got to give these guys experience to get better so they're they so they can get to that place where they can be the next Undertaker, the next Brock, the next whoever. And so often they get overlooked. I mean, what was that match we were talking about a couple of years ago? It should have been Miz and Sandow in a one-on-one match at WrestleMania, and they kind of got screwed. Yeah, well, it's just like, and like, wouldn't it make sense so then you don't have to pay Goldberg and Brock and Undertaker these exorbitant salaries just to wrestle this one day? Like, I, you know, I get the point of, of guys being special, but it shouldn't be at the detriment to the guys that are selling your house shows, you know, and and your, mm-hmm. your, your normal merchandise and, and your television show ratings, you know, I mean, it, it shouldn't be at their expense. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, I think this will be fine. Um, all right. So it, then we got perfectly serviceable title match. I'm fine with it. Yeah. All right, so next we got the mixed tag match, which is John Cena and Nikki Bella against The Miz and Maurice. And this has been just hot fire. This like this might be the best-built match that Cena's ever had at WrestleMania. It's up there. I think it's up there, yeah. I mean, yeah, for, I, there's a tendency to think of mixed tag matches as kind of just like sidebar throwaway stuff, but the build-up to this has been so good, and Miz in particular has just been on fire. Yeah, I mean they they've got um they've got a lot to uh, a lot of hype to to go here, but I mean just have like a good match. Like like if if you just have a good match with this build, I mean you're it, it's going to be great. It like like I know it sounds <laughs> weird to say, but I'm like you've set the table for this so well, you know? Yeah. And you have what could be like an all-time great moment with Cena and, and Nikki at the end and, and possibly a proposal, which is some people are like, well, it could have been Cena and The Undertaker. I'm like, if you think Cena and The Undertaker is as big of a moment as, as somebody proposing in a wrestling ring, you're fucking nuts, man. Like, nobody, like, everybody remembers the Randy Savage Elizabeth after the after the Ultimate Warrior match. Like, that's, mm-hmm. like, classic stuff. And, and I'll this also would... say this. The Taker-Cena match wouldn't be good because I don't think Taker can take six AAs anymore. So No, no, I, it I wouldn't. It would... It would be terrible. This is such a better... I mean, this is a smarter move for Cena because he gets to have that moment. He gets to go against one of the hotter talents in the company right now. And, I mean, like, the stuff on SmackDown, like, again, you know, there's some timing issues and stuff with the Total Bella segments, but they're generally very funny. And I liked... I like this I one. The I love the Daniel Bryan impression he did. Oh, I was about to say that. I loved his Daniel Bryan impression. It was making me laugh legitimately out loud. Um... Uh, Maurice is very good in them too, and she's this, a hotter Nikki Bella than Nikki Bella. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, and this, um, you know, this whole thing, this whole feud, it's it, it's one of those times, and it doesn't happen often. But when you're like smart to the business, it's one of the ones that still gets you because they've woven enough reality into it that, like, I mean, you know, it's it's. it's you know, it's like ridden and everything, but you feel, it feels real, you know, it, it really does. Mm-hmm. And I know it's a show and I know, but it, it's like, they've woven it in so much and they, they performed it so well that it's just like, it's good stuff. It's really, really good stuff. Um, so I, I mean, I'm looking forward to this. I think this is, um, 
Uh, just don't fuck it up, guys. I mean, that's all I have to say. I think it's I think it's such a great build, and I think the match is going to be just just hot as anything. Um, uh, probably. I mean, Cena and Nikki are going to go over, but I, I think Miz can save a lot of face here if they execute. Yeah, it. yeah. I mean, he doesn't have to win. I mean, give him like give him some moments and stuff, and like he can have that performance he wanted to. I mean, winning and losing, like yeah, it, it can yeah it can mean a lot. But Miz won at WrestleMania 27, and that was awful, you know. So like, mm-hmm. it, it's all about if he has a great if he tears the house down with with them. I mean, then the, then then you're set, you know? So um, I'm excited for this one. I think it could be a lot of fun. I think there's a lot of interesting things going on. So uh, this, this is one of the, the ones that I am really excited about. Yeah, uh, again, it's, it's all about that buildup. Yeah. Uh, next match listed, uh, we have Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens for the United States Championship. Well, once again, and I think part of this is because they're hoping uh, Owens as the U.S. champion is going to be the main champion on the house shows following following this. So it's basically the U.S. title is going to be the world title, essentially, for house show purposes, because, you know, Brock and Goldberg are not going to be there. Um, mm-hmm. But this, as we've talked about, is another great build. And, you know, I know a lot of people were upset that Owens lost the title to Goldberg, but, I mean, you kind of you kind of had to know that was going to happen. I mean, I'm not saying I like the decision. I'm just saying it, it was pretty freaking obvious. So, and at least they did it in a way where it benefited this story, so it didn't yes. seem like Owens was just being thrown into a garbage pail. Yeah, yeah, and, and once again, they're like, and here's the here's the difference between this year and last year. They're like actually telling stories this year. They're like, say what you want, like if the right people are in those stories or not. They're not, but they actually are telling complete fucking thought storylines, and that is, I, unfortunately, the bar is low, but that's where we are, and like that's. That's a lot better than like thirty one and, and and thirty-two. I mean, thirty-two was especially like terrible. Um Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, I, you know, I'm thinking back to all the build ups for all these matches at WrestleMania, that four way for the universal title was kind of the kickoff point for both Jericho and Owens and Seth and Triple H. So it's like there's a lot of like intersecting and developments happening in big matches causing big events and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, look at this shit for last year. Like, okay, you have Roman Reigns and Triple H. Okay, it sucks, but it's a story. Um, you have The Undertaker and Shane McMahon. This makes no fu- This is the worst thing ever because, first of all, no, it didn't pay off and they didn't do anything they were supposed to. It, like, he lost and it happened anyway. Second of all, he's like, I'm going to blackmail you. And then he's like, no, I'm going to put you in a match. And if you win, you get raw. And I'm like, that's not how blackmail works. No, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, Charlotte and Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks was was fine. That's a story. Lesnar and Ambrose wasn't because they were hoping Bray was going to be able to wrestle, and then he wasn't, so they just slotted Ambrose into it. The League of Nations versus the New Day was just the New Day making fun of the League of Nations for no reason. Um, Chris Jericho and AJ Styles, I mean, okay, fine. That's like the Dean Ambrose, Baron Corbin of last year. Um... And the latter match for the Intercontinental title was nothing. Uh, Usos and the Dudleys, I mean, you know, like like looking at all this stuff, it's just so far below what they're doing this year. I'm not saying this is great. I'm just saying it's a lot better than what we had last year. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Um, and Owens and Jericho, it's amazing the amount of good stuff. I mean, there's been bad stuff, don't get me wrong, but it's amazing the amount of good stuff we've gotten in the build-up to this mania. I mean, we've we've had the total Bella's bullshit and the um, 
and the festival of friendship leading up to to these things and those are those are two like pretty good moments i mean the festival of friendship i think is one of the all-time great raw segments and um, yeah you know it really it, it it gives meaning to the u.s title um this is a storyline that we that has been building since the summer I mean, it's 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 long term story planning, so I, I you know I I, I got to be happy with that. Yeah, and you know, major credit to both guys. I mean, they've really pulled. They're really trying to make this as special as possible. And you know, you talked about it. The festival of friendship was great. Jericho's promos have been great, which we were worried about that once he turned face. It's like, oh god, here we go, nerdy, you know, uncool Uncle Jericho coming in. But no, he's he's been pretty good and. I think they have a chance to have like a really good show stealing match at WrestleMania here. It's just hopefully it lives up to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next match we have on here is probably the the is, is another one that's not not too great. Um, Bailey, Charlotte, Sasha, and Nia for the it's an elimination match for the Raw Women's Championship. Um, they just haven't really done much here. I mean, it's like. They're trying to throw all sorts of different things at the wall. I don't think it's that really Sasha working. That Sasha turn never happened. I mean, I think it's going to, and I think they'll build to a Sasha Bailey. But it's just like, once again, this division suffers from so few people being in it that it's it's difficult. Um, and then just like, you know, we just uncreative ways to get to things. Like we open Raw and all, all four people argue, so it's a Teddy Long tag match. And it's just like, uh, really? You know, it's so, so funny that Teddy Long gets like made fun of for that when it's like, dude, they've been doing, they were doing that years before Teddy Long was the GM. And that, you know, they've been doing it since he was, you know, he hasn't been a character on TV. So it's like, it's just a thing they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine, but I just don't like, you know, it's, it's just such a weak build. Yeah, very weak. Yeah. And, it's sad because it's like, you know, they they really patted themselves on the back with the whole women's revolution and everything. And I'm looking at it like, yeah, you didn't do a very good job building them up to Mania, though. Not this year. I mean, like, you know, the matches are generally good, but it's like, it's like, you know, we talked about this previously, you know, the They've gone through such baby steps with this thing. Like, when they first had them, they're like, all right, everybody's just going to wrestle longer matches. But the matches were all meaningless because nobody was going for anything and nobody has any personal animosity. Now they've got personal animosity, but it's just like in the shitties men men division when they're just like, oh, well, I'm going to fight you. You know, so it's just like, it's like, congratulations. We've got equality. You have, we have shitty, uh, shitty women's storylines set up in uncreative ways, just like we do with the men. So, you know, there you go. (laughs) But... You know, it, it should be better, like every division. Like, you know, they, there should be – we shouldn't just have one women's match on here from the division. We should have, like, two or three, you know, and there should be multiple women in there battling for contendership, having all sorts of issues just like the guys do. I mean, if it's just four of them and it's just like, here's the, here's their segment of the show, it feels cheap, you know, because it's, it's like, you know. And that was one thing WCW always did well. Everybody always makes fun of, like, oh, they've got 250 people on their roster. I'm like, yeah, man, but you felt like those guys were, like, fighting for something, you know. Um mm-hmm. It's funny because I remember um, one of the comments on one of the documentaries that WWE did, I I forget which one it was and who said it, but one of the comments was, you didn't know what month it was on WCW show. I'm like, really? Because their roster was so big, none of their pay-per-view cards looked the same. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, uh, the the top stayed so similar was the big issue. And unfortunately, at the end of the show, that's what you remember. But yeah, Um, yeah. 
So, all right. So let's get um, let's talk about this one, Patrick, because this had in two weeks. This story has had a lot, and I mean a lot of time dedicated to it. So I think a lot of people have flipped on how they feel about this. I kind of want to get your take um, based on the last two weeks for Shane McMahon and AJ Styles. This feels like a match that was born out of uh, Shane and AJ were both going to have different WrestleMania matches. We talked about it. Shane was supposed to wrestle Brock. And now there's reports that they had approached Shawn Michaels to work with AJ. And uh, Shawn Michaels turned it down. Uh, Thank God, in some ways. Uh, But... It feels like it's like, all right, well, we had ideas for these guys. They didn't really pan out for one reason or another. Let's just put them together and just do that. But um, for the rush, like, two-, three-week build that it's been given, the television surrounding it has been pretty good. So it's like I can't really fault it that much. Um, It does have that rush thrown together vibe to it. But at the same time, the stuff that they've done to set it up, like AJ jumping Shane in the parking lot where they actually showed blood and crazy stuff like that and the angle developing throughout the night of, whether AJ was going to get fired for what he did and all that. I mean, it was, it was handled fairly well. And it tells me it's like, all right, they realize they've got somebody good in AJ and they do want to promote him. They do want to make sure that he has the WrestleMania match, even if uh, their original plans fell through. So it's nice to know that they do see value in AJ. Yeah. Well, I, I think they definitely do. I think that's why Shane's wrestling him because they think he's one of the best wrestlers in the company. Um, First of all, I think that Shawn Michaels thing is such bullshit. Not like, not the report, but the fact that they offered him the match. They're like, oh, we're going to get you a match with Shawn. They know he's not going to do it. Like, he's not coming back. And, like, people need to kind of get that through their heads. Um, Mm -hmm. He didn't come back for Daniel Bryan. And if he didn't come back for Daniel Bryan, he wasn't coming back for anyone. And, like, you can... As a big Shawn Michaels fan and and a guy that has kind of followed a lot of Shawn's interviews and stuff, and, like, I know how he talks, and I know how, like, when he he would give interviews in 2000, and it was very much bitter, I'm like, oh, you know, it kind of sucks that I laid the groundwork for all this, and I'm not getting to reap the benefits. Um, it kind of sucks that I was the guy that anchored this company when it was down, and now I'm not here when it's up to benefit from all that. Um, and he would say things like, you know, I don't have that itch anymore and stuff. But other things he would say would leave you to leave him to think he he was very bitter. He wanted to he he would be there if he could, but he he couldn't. Um, and now you hear him, and he's just he's just utterly content. And he's like, you know, I'll watch here and there. He's like, I like. I like talking to young guys and mentoring them, but you know, I don't really want to wrestle anymore. He's like, I'm kind of done with that. And he's, you can just tell. It's just he, he's saying the same things, but the way he's saying them, he's never coming back. So the idea that they're like, oh, AJ Styles and Shawn Michaels is going to be a legit match, he's not coming back. I mean, he's he's like, what is he, like 52-something? Like, you don't want him mm-hmm. to Yeah, I know he was in great shape last year because he thought he was going to be in the referee role, but like, it, it, just move on from Shawn Michaels. Like, like make a new Shawn Michaels. You know, make it, make another yeah. guy. Like, you, you got to move on from these guys. So, I, I, the idea that AJ was going to have a match with Shawn is ridiculous. That they, that they would say that that's what their plan was. I think it's ridiculous that AJ had been such as big of a part of the company as he has been over the past few months, and they didn't have a long term plan for him beyond let's hope Shawn Michaels says yes to this thing that he probably <laughs> won't say yes to. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um. 
the fact that Shane McMahon has to have a damn match on the show is ridiculous. Um, he yeah. got he got a lot of buzz and hype last year because we hadn't seen him in like eight years. So yeah, that's a big thing. Um, and it was a surprise, and it was kept a surprise, and yeah. But like beyond that, there's not a lot of long term value in just having him do that stuff. And so I you know I think that sucks. That said, I agree with you. I think the TV was done well. They basically devoted two SmackDowns worth for it uh, of, of television time to it, with the whole show kind of building towards it. And I thought they did it well. I thought you know Shane got to come back a little bit uh, last week, and then this week AJ cut a, a great promo where he says, you know, there's going to be no uh, ladders, there's going to be no chairs, there's going to be no tables. He's like, if you use a weapon, you're disqualified. You get counted out. And he's like, this. He's like, you don't have any crutches. You're in there against the best wrestler in the company, and you're going to have to deal with it. And I like that. I liked him not shaking his hand. And and um, you know, I, I think that 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 is very interesting because you know normally Shane has all the gimmicks and stuff, and AJ's like, I'm just going to outclass <laughs> you. Now I hope the story that they do, they tell at the show is that Shane is able to hang with AJ because that's fucking bullshit. And, like, would devalue AJ if Shane McMahon is on his level. I think that's ridiculous. But the build-up so far has been good. He throws. Yeah, oh, his little brother punches. Yeah, those are the worst. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'm trying to think back. Has Shane ever had, like, a really good regular match that didn't have a lot of bells and whistles? Um, yeah. I mean, the closest would be WrestleMania 15, but yeah, that yeah. had a lot of... That was go that was what I was gonna say. That does have bells and whistles, but it's not um it's not particularly um It's not him diving off a shit the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, that's a really good one. I mean he's had good matches. The lover reliever match at ninety nine is very good. Well, um, but once it, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm saying like he's had good matches. They're all but they're all like, you know, uh everybody always talks about the Kurt Angle one, but all they know is the YouTube clips of him like almost breaking his neck. Um Yeah. And, like, you know, the Steve Blackman one wasn't very good. They just remember because he fell, like, 50 feet in the air. So, like, you know, in, in fact, that's like a Shane McMahon theme. The matches aren't particularly good except for the part where he's like, I'm going to pretend to die and almost actually die. Like, that's basically it. Um, like, those early matches. <laughs> oh, I mean, against... that was the whole uh, the whole Hell in a Cell match last year. That match was terrible up until he almost killed himself. <laughs> it's 30 minutes. Why did they put fucking Undertaker? Why did they put fifty-one-year-old Undertaker and Shane fucking McMahon in there for thirty minutes? What did they think was going to happen? Did they think these guys were they confused on the sheet and they're like AJ Styles and Chris Jericho thirty minutes and then somebody wrote it on the portion where it's age for Shane and Undertaker? Like what the fuck, man? Just throw somebody them off from the start. Sheet. What'd you say? Somebody fucked up that spreadsheet. Yeah, I guess so. Somebody doesn't know how to use Excel. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what to expect, um, but, you know, I mean, like I said, it was two good weeks of TV for them, so, mm -hmm. you know, I'll give them the benefit. AJ should go over, I mean, that goes without saying, but... I mean, AJ should go over, AJ should go over and, like, embarrass his butt, like, maybe AJ, like, I don't know, I guess maybe the story they can tell, and, and this might be good, is, like, AJ is outclassing Shane, he's beating him, but then, like Shane says, his ego gets the best of him, like, he's posing or something, and then Shane can take mm -hmm. advantage of those things. That might be a way where you play off that story and also have Shane, like, be able to get offense in. But, like, 
I'm always wary because Shane gets way too much fucking offense in his matches when he shouldn't. Do you do you remember the um, No Way Out match from 2009? Um, I do not. I, I that was him against Orton, right? Yeah, it was him. It was Shane McMahon. For those of you who do not know the match I'm talking about, Orton had just won the Royal Rumble and had done one of the hottest angles they'd ever done in a while, kicking Vince McMahon in the head and Top knocking baby him. Face in the company, by the way, despite what they said. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes against Shane and fucking has a competitive match with Shane McMahon. And it's like, holy shit. Like, they always do this shit. When they're trying to get somebody over huge, they'll, like, you'll think he's crushing the first guy. But then the first guy is just his feud and he's, like, competitive. Like, I remember in 2004, they start to put Kane over as this unstoppable monster. And he crushes Matt Hardy. And you're like, oh, okay, so Matt Hardy's going to be like a jobber. They sacrifice to Kane. Then fucking Matt Hardy comes and, like, beats him. I'm like, how are you going to get this guy over if he's losing a fucking Matt Hardy? It's just ridiculous. I, I think the worst example that I can remember was leading into 27, where Miz was feuding with Jerry Lawler. And they had oh, a competitive match. I was like, I was watching this like, this makes Miz look so bad. Like, they don't even realize it. Yeah, it's, um... Yeah, yeah. Um, one second here. All right, um, all right. So let's get on to the next one. The next one I know you and I have both been looking forward to uh, is the non-sanctioned match that was signed on Monday between Seth Rollins and Triple H. Um, I, I, I mean, I thought this go ahead, a perfect build-up. Yes, I mean we you know we talked about it last week with how Seth's injury actually played really well for this feud, and I mean I know a lot of people. I, I, I get a bonus. Yeah, right. Um, I think that this is. Um, I think I, I really like this story. Um, I like I like Seth's promo on um, on oh, Triple God, H. It was so good. So good. One of the best promos. He, Seth has a tendency to ramble on and on, especially when he was a heel. And he just, it's just like, dude, it's like you can tell he's Triple H's protege because he says what needs to be said in five minutes and he takes like 10 to say it. But um, this was so good. And I like some of the self-doubt and the, and the loathing that he had where he says, you know, I liked who I was before I met you. And it was just kind of like heartbreaking. And he's like, you know, He's like, I want to get. He's like, he realizes basically that all the that it was a bad in in the in the long term in, in the long term ramifications. The choice he made was not worth it, and he realizes he could have done it on his own. He didn't have the confidence in himself, and he 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 gave it all up. And now he's like, I want to all the people I betrayed. I I, I want it all back. So that was great, and. I like Triple H. He's like, didn't you? Don't you want it easy? Don't you want to be successful? You know, step on people. Like, I thought this was so effective and so good. And both guys played their roles to a T. Um, and I think they're going to have an interesting story because you know Seth will be not at a hundred percent, so Triple H can go after that injured leg. And that's always a really great storytelling device. I mean, one of the things I always remembered and loved was, remember when DDP always had, like, tape around his yeah. ribs? And you're like, oh, mm -hmm. God, he said they're taking off. Like, and as, as a 
now you're just like, oh, it's such a good tool. But when you're watching it as a fan, you're like, oh, man, he's oh, not his ribs. But it adds something to that match, you know. It adds a little something extra, and it makes him seem a little bit more vulnerable when he's a babyface. And actually, one match that comes to my mind as far as utilizing a real injury to make the match even better, it was actually a Triple H match. It was him versus Sean at Taboo Tuesday, I want to say. Yes. Poor Sean, he had torn his meniscus and went out there and worked the match anyway. And I thought they had a really good match, despite the fact that Sean was basically one-legged. And they were able to use it to tell the story effectively. And I think they could do something similar and even better here. Yeah, because Seth can actually go. So, yeah, I agree. I think it'll be good. Um, Yeah. And, I mean, I think Triple H, I think Triple H is going to be super motivated. He's in Orlando against the first NXT champion, I mean, when Triple H decides, he can really put on a show. So I, I think both these guys, and Seth missed WrestleMania last year, I, I think both these guys have, like, it, I will be disappointed if this doesn't blow my mind because I think it has all the ingredients to be a classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. Uh, you know, I talked about uh, Owens and Jericho being a show stealer. I think this one also. It's it's going to be one of those two that are the match of the night, I think. Yeah. All right, the next match is probably not going to be good, but it has the opportunity to do a lot of things for the future of the company, and that is Undertaker and Roman Reigns, Patrick. What have we been saying for weeks at what this match needs to be? Reigns goes out there, he Superman punches the fuck out of Taker, beats him in like two or three minutes, and you've created a hot heel. That's, a, that's the way they should do it. I don't think they're going to do that, but I, to me it works around all the problems with the match with Taker's health and the fact that the fans hate Roman Reigns anyway and they're going to hate him after he beats Taker. Um, I say just work within that framework and just create a strong heel out of it. I know we don't do a lot of fantasy booking on the show, but if I'm booking this match, I have Reigns go out there, Undertaker's like doing his, his like he's taking off his hat, and Reigns just Superman punches him right in the face. He picks him up. He, like, you know, he spears him. He just kicks him. He's stomping the shit out of him. Undertaker doesn't even get a punch in. Reigns picks him up. He Superman punches him again. He spears him. He pins him. One, two, three. The match is like a minute and 30 seconds long. Roman Reigns gets on the mic. He kicks Undertaker out of the ring. And he's like, that was the easiest match I've ever had in my life. That was no challenge. Look at all those those losers who for years couldn't beat this guy. This guy, he's rolling in his own blood outside the ring. This was so easy because I'm Roman Reigns and I'm the best damn wrestler in this company. And then he, you've like, and people will be legitimately pissed because they'll be like, oh, under, that's disrespectful to Undertaker at Mania. You know, like wrestling fans will talk like that. And yeah. then you have this guy that they like. <laughs> How dare like, the Ascension be- say they're better than the Road Warriors? Yeah, but, well, <laughs> because, you know, people legitimately like, people think that when they turn Roman Reigns, people will cheer him and maybe they will. But this is a way to not get him cheered by a single person. So I, I think you have an opportunity. If you want to make Roman Reigns, it may not be the way you want to make him, but this is the way to do it. And I hope, I hope they take this golden opportunity to do that. That's all I can say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm anticipating them to go out there and try to have like a competitive match that goes like 10 minutes where Roman wins, and then they shake hands afterwards. That's what I think is going to happen, but... I think your ideas and my ideas way better and would be way more worth talking about the next day, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, they, they want that buzz, that social media buzz. 
Um, <laughs> Twitter right. was buzzing. Yeah. All right, so why don't we get to one of the two of the main events here. Let's get to the one that will probably close the show, but I'll tell you, Wikipedia does not think so. It keeps listening, listing Goldberg and Lesnar underneath Wyatt and Orton. Um, okay, uh, so we've got um, Bill Goldberg against Brock Lesnar. Now the big question about this, and, and they had there, they had Goldberg go out on top uh, on Monday, which of course means Lesnar will win. Which duh, because Goldberg isn't signed past WrestleMania, um, unless they do a thing where he wins and then loses it the next night, which could be a thing. But regardless, um, Goldberg will not leave the week of WrestleMania with the title. But the question is, will this be another 30-second match, or are we going to actually see uh, a competitive match? I don't think it's going to go very long. I don't think it's going to be as short as, like, two minutes or a minute and a half or, you know, however long Goldberg's matches have been. But I don't expect it to go longer than, say, five, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I think uh, you may see a similar start where Goldberg hits an early spear in the jackhammer, but Lesnar kicks out and then does a counter, counters into the F5, Goldberg kicks out, and then something happens, Lesnar hits another F5, it's over. Yeah. It'll, it might it'll be, be good to It'll see, be a little bit longer, but not much more. It might be good to see Lesnar, like, I don't know, Goldberg spears him and Lesnar, like, grabs him in the key lockers or the Kimura, whatever it's fucking called. Um, mm-hmm. That might be... Um, that would be really cool, actually. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, I think that that could be like interesting to show that he's learned how to you know counter what 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 Goldberg does. All right, so then we got our our main match because I mean I don't know what else to say about the Goldberg Lesnar match. Um, we got our main match, which is Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. Um, and by main match, I mean one of two main matches. Um, I mean part of me thinks Orton is going over because because they just have baby faces win, but I feel like. You know, like, I feel like just all the young guys should go over on this show. I think Gray should win. <laughs> Seth should win. Um, uh, Owen should, should win. win. Yeah, Roman should win. I think, yeah. Um, just do it. Just, yeah. And I agree. I think, you know, Bray just won the title. Um, there's a lot of damage that they've done to him. Uh, we've talked about it for years now. But it's like, at this point, it's like, look, Orton's been champion 45 times, and this is Bray's first run. I, I say just keep running with Bray. He's like the fresher option. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's about it. I mean, I think, like, you know, WWE, I mean, Orton kind of went over, so to speak, on the last show, which in WWE speak always means the other guy's going over. Not always, but they do that a lot. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but we'll see. I, I, I think... I think Gordon will go over. Hopefully Bray will and get a nice big championship win at WrestleMania to make up for the bullshit they put him through last year. Mm. Yeah. And the year before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, All right. So, Patrick, let's do one more WrestleMania retrospective, and then we'll, we'll send this home, okay? Okay. All right. By the way, are you going to be watching uh, Road to? I'm sorry, not Road. Are you going to be watching Sakura Genesis uh, after um, after Mania? Not after Mania, but like a days after Mania. Um. Yeah, I could watch that. Yeah, sure. It's going to be Shibata and Okada. Ooh, inter- uh, Yeah, I kind of want to see that because 
Shibata. Actually, like every match I see him and he beats the crap out of people. So yeah, yeah, he he does. The the actually the three the rest of the show is like nothing. Like it's it's a bunch of like tag team and six man. Like you know you know it's a New Japan show, which so. they do. They do that a lot. Yeah, but the top three matches are pretty good. So here's what we got before we get to the 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 uh, WrestleMania Classic. Here's what we got. We've got uh, Hiroki Goto uh, against Zack Sabre Jr. for the Never Openweight Championship. Ooh. Which okay. is, I think, Zack Sabre's first match on this tour. I'm not sure. Um, uh, Hiromu Takahashi and Kushida for the Junior Heavyweight Championship, which Takahashi won this from Kushida at the Tokyo Dome show. And then Okada... Uh, they had Shibata. a great match then, too. They did. And I don't know, did you get to see the Takahashi-Dragon Lee match at... Um, at uh, New Beginning, I did. That match was insane. Yes, I like, I, and I liked both. I, I liked the Naito, um, uh, uh, Elgin match too. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was good. Um, but I, I just thought it was so Dragon Lee is just so nuts. You know, he's like it's like <laughs> what what Kalisto would be if they like let him off the leash. Yeah. So um, so I think this should be good. I think they got a lot of cool junior heavyweights. Um, that they can do stuff with. Um, so I think those top three matches are really cool. I mean, otherwise you've got like Tenkozy versus War Machine, which is fine. Um, Lij against Taguchi Japan, which is like the match they have every fucking show forever. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean Kenny Omega will appear with with uh, against Chaos. So um, yeah, so those should be really good though. I think um, and. I mean, I think they should keep the belt on Okada, though. I think there's more money and some some things they can do with him. But okay, um, let's go to WrestleMania. Um, all right, let's go. I don't know why this just popped in my head. Do you remember the WrestleMania rap music video or the song from like '93? No. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the WrestleMania rap song. Uh, I believe it started at nine, and they used like the music for it for like the next few years. But it's like that, oh, oh, oh WrestleMania, that whole thing. No, I don't know that. I know the WrestleMania theme was like, you know what I'm talking about? It was like Linda McMahon's theme music. That's the one I'm talking about. Oh, that's it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 that. yeah. I'm talking about the one in 93. They did, like, a music video with lyrics and everything. And for some reason, it starts off with, are you ready for the Survivor Series? I'm like, no, I'm ready for WrestleMania, which is what the song's supposed to be about. I don't know why you're asking me about the Survivor Series, but all right. What a bunch of fucks. Who rapped it? I, I, I have no idea. Oh, man. Maybe it was the Fat Boys. Um, <laughs> uh, or as Jerry Lawler called him on one episode of Raw, Fat Boy. To my knowledge, he's not a rapper, and he was referring to the Fat Boys, but didn't know who they were. Or maybe there's a rapper called Fat Boy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to Google this now, because I could be an idiot. Yeah, no. Um, it's the Fat Boys, which I was aware of, but apparently Jerry Lawler was not. Um, all right. Uh, Patrick, guess which one I fell on? It wasn't one of the ones we always hate, but it is not a good one. Oh, dear. It's 11. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, God, this one. Go ahead. This one start is us off. so bad. It's so bad. Um, I, I mean, I say it all the time. To me, personally, um, 
you know, if you say nine is your worst, you know, the one that you hate the most, you say 13, some of the other ones that we talk about constantly, I'm not necessarily going to disagree with you, but I will always throw 11 into the discussion as being the worst WrestleMania of all time. This was just top to bottom, in my opinion, just a, a train wreck of a show. And it's not even because they had a football player in the main event, which was kind of like the bullseye that people go to when they bash this show. It's just to me, like from a technical execution standpoint with the audio issues that were going on throughout the night to the matches they had to um, just just bad wrestling, bad everything. It was just, I, I don't know, I just was not a fan of the show. And it's one of the few WrestleManias I look at, I honestly can't think of too many redeeming qualities of it, where I go, uh, you know, I can kind of forget, like, nine, everybody hates on nine because of the ending. But it's like, ah, I kind of like this match, the Steiner Head Shrinker match, and I like a lot of the entrances. And also, they're dressed in, like, togas. Yeah, I, I actually kind of like that. I, I, like I do, too. Game. I do, too. I don't know why everybody hated it so much. Yeah, um, but, yeah, 11 to me just has nothing. And it even it started off on, like, the worst note possible because they're doing America the Beautiful, which for some reason they didn't do at 29. I was, I'm still a little upset about that. But, yeah, that um, was weird. Yeah, they had um, somebody representing the Special Olympics sing it that year, which – it's a nice idea, but they were having audio problems, and you couldn't hear the singer at all. And this is what they started on. I was like, oh, that's, that's a bad omen. That's a really bad omen right from the get-go when America the Beautiful doesn't even work. And, um, yeah, they were like I said, they are having technical issues throughout the night. A lot of the matches were really bad. Bret Hart even said in his book that his match with Backlund that night is his personal pick for worst pay-per-view match of his career. Now, keep in mind, that book was written before – he had the match with Vince a couple years later, but, uh, yeah, the match with Backlund should well, have been great. do you remember how aggravating Roddy Piper is in that match? Oh, he's he's the worst part of that match, without question. What do you say? What do you say? Like, every second. It's like, what fucking kind of drugs are you on? It's so funny because, like, everybody always talks about, like, oh, Roddy Piper was so great. Roddy Piper did a lot of shitty stuff in wrestling. Like, there's a lot of times where he just detracts from shit. Oh, yeah, and and I'm one of the guys. I remember when Piper was great and the great stuff that he did, but I'm yeah. also going to highlight the bad stuff he did, like that match he had with Waller in 94. Oh, my God. Or that fucking, or any match against Hogan in WCW. Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah. Um. Mm. Here's one match that would have made this show so much better, and it did not happen. And I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Uh, okay. One of the one of the main matches was going to be the Undertaker and Razor Ramon. Interesting. What happened there? Apparently, Razor came to Vince in, like, I don't know, September 94 or something. And um, was Back like, when they used to have the Mania card mapped out a year in advance, but go on. Yes, yes. Um, and he said to Vince, he's like, listen, um, like, I think I'd be better as a heel. I, I'm, too, I'm below Brett, Diesel... Undertaker, I'm like kind of there with Bulldog and such. Um, uh, it, it's very crowded. If I go to the heel side, it's just Sean, really, and maybe Yoko, but I think he knew it wasn't going to be. So I think he thought that there was more options for him as a heel, and I think he thought there were more there was more main event runs for him as a heel because he was having big issues with Vince. He wanted to go. He wanted to make more money, whether that was with merchandise, whether that was going to Japan, and Vince 
um, Vince said okay, and apparently they filmed vignettes for it from what what I think Scott Hall says in an interview where he's like digging a grave in like a vignette or something, and they were gonna ha- and him and Undertaker were both excited about it because Undertaker did not want to wrestle King Kong Bundy. He wanted to wrestle somebody he could actually work with because for years, I mean, as you know, that was Undertaker had these stiffs to work with until like Mankind came along. Um, but uh, yeah, they 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 were all set up, and then he's like, "No, I need you. I need you to get guys over." He was basically the guy that would get you ready for your feud with Sean or Diesel or whoever was going to be the main. He, face he was using him like Jake Roberts, basically. Yeah, yeah, essentially. So, um, so uh, yeah, it was um, so that and that was a big thing. He was a, he was upset about that, along with uh, some other things. That and that was a key reason why he left. You know, he didn't feel like there was a lot of upward mobility for him. So. Um, but that was going to be one of the matches. I think, um, to my knowledge, I don't think Brett and Backlund was the the final plan. Um, but I don't know what the what the alternative was. Yeah, and that's funny. Going back to the Brett Backlund match for a hot minute. Um, I I'm one of the guys. I love the match they had at Survivor Series '94. So uh, yeah, when okay, I heard- okay. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this because I that fucking ending takes forever. <laughs> I actually kind of liked it. I felt like it was Patrick. Watch it again. It is so <laughs> fucking long. They're like, it's like, it's it like, um, in the chicken wing for like eight minutes. It was yes. He's in it forever. Really he's in it for fucking ever. And it's like, it's almost like, um, uh, Helen forgot her lines or something or what she was supposed to do because Owen's just like, throw in the towel, do it for my brother, do it for, and he does it so much. And it goes on for so long. Oh my God. For a guy who says less is more, Vince is just like, let's just do that for nine minutes. It's so fucking long. <laughs> I, I was like, okay, to be fair, I did. Um, I agree that it went on a little long, but I loved Owen at the end so much that I didn't really, it, I've seen worse examples of that type of stuff being milked way too long. Triple H promos being the, some of the key examples, but um, but yeah, I really liked the matches they had at Survivor Series, and I thought, oh, WrestleMania, they're gonna have one just as good or maybe better uh, without all the you know the storyline uh, stuff to kind of muck up the waters and cause a cloudy finisher or whatever. And no, they tanked at Mania. That was a disaster. Um, we talked about Undertaker and Razor, and, and now that you've pitched that match to me, it's like, God damn, that should have happened. That would have been great. But Undertaker got stuck with Bundy in this feud with Ted DiBiase's stable over the possession of the urn. <laughs> the urn, which uh, he lost for like a year. Yeah, yeah, I remember that because Mabel took it, didn't he, and melted it. Yeah, he gets so, it back in like he gets it back in December of '95. I I kid you not. Yeah, it, take, it takes him. I think honestly, eleven months to get it back. That's crazy. Um, but anyway, uh, so their match was terrible. I mean, that was an awful match, one of the worst that Taker had it, has ever had at Mania. And this was when he was in his prime. Um, but Bundy was not in his prime, so there you go. Um, what else? Uh, you got Razor and Jarrett, who, you know, I like both guys as workers, but together, they and I think you've talked about this, they just had the same match every single time they worked with each other. So if you've seen one Razor-Jarrett match, you've seen them all. Yeah, they just they they I mean like they never really clicked like they kind of did and you know Jared had been built up fairly well mm-hmm. but it just I don't know it just was it was fine like I mean not not this match but their their matches were generally fine but it was like it was never like great or anything you know so like yeah yeah and you knew that Scott Hall was going to sell a knee injury every single time it's just again you just you saw one you saw them all and it's like okay. Yeah. 
Um, and that was probably my favorite match on the show, believe it or not. Uh, the opener, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was it the opener of the Allied Powers versus the Blue Brothers? Correct. Who who okay. you saw like never before and then saw them like twice after that. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the best thing I have to say about that match is that Luger and Bulldog's theme song was pretty cool. Yeah, it was good. And the, yeah. They <laughs> That's were getting... the nicest thing I have to say about that match. Yeah. Wait, so your favorite match on the card is Razor and Jarrett? Yeah, I'll I'll get there. I I'll I'll get to the the title match when I get there. But um, I'm trying to think what else was on the show. Owen Owen and the mystery partner against the Smoking Guns. I again, I like the Owen Yokozuna tag team. I thought they did some good stuff with each other. Match itself was kind of mediocre. Uh, that's but the nicest thing I have to say about that match is like, well, Owen and Yoko actually ended up working fairly well as a team, so that was fine. Uh, the Sean and Diesel title match, which had the best build up leading into WrestleMania. Except for maybe, honestly, except for maybe LT and Bam Bam, but I thought the build-up to the match was pretty good. I thought all the storyline components were in place to have, like, a really good uh, title match. The problem, um, well, number one, the crowd started to turn on Diesel, and you could kind of sense it, like, in the latter half of the match. It's like, oh, God, this isn't, this isn't working. Um, yeah. It got a little sloppy in places. Uh, everybody talks about the botched jackknife at the end. Uh, the quote-unquote botched jackknife. <laughs> yeah, if you ask Kevin Nash, he's like, yeah, gee, I wonder what happened there. But, um, yeah, it, was just, it wasn't the match that it should have been. And I think uh, a year or 13 months later, the match that they had it in your house was much better. And I think maybe their chemistry just works better if Diesel's the heel and Sean is the face. But overall, this match I just wasn't – it didn't click for me. And it's weird for me that there's a WrestleMania – with all these guys in their primes, like Brett, Sean, Undertaker, uh, Razor, and none Owen. of them really – Owen, another one. And nothing clicked and nothing really delivered. It's like, man, this show's got nothing. It's just just a lifeless shell of a show. And then you get the LT Bam Bam match, which closes out. Um, I mean, it's easy to hate on this match. And, yeah, LT was clearly not a trained wrestler, and Bam Bam uh, – making the match as good as it is is really a testament to how talented he was. But um, the match itself is not that great, but it did have some intrigue to it, so I don't completely hate it like a lot of other people do. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's really all there is to say about it. It's like, I hate this show. I hate this WrestleMania. And the main event's not even the, – the thing that everybody points to, which is the main event, that's not even the big reason why. Like, if that match didn't happen at all, uh, I would still say that this is probably the worst WrestleMania ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's a rumor that because of some meetings that they had before this and morale was very down. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I I know they, they had a, um, they, they had an early morning meeting that, that everybody showed up for and they thought it was going to be a big deal and Vince didn't even show up and it was just so that they didn't go, everybody didn't get wasted the night before. And so everybody was kind of pissed at that. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, the booking didn't help them in a lot of cases. Like, yeah, some of them are great workers, but they're great workers paired up with guys who are not great workers. Like, Undertaker's against Bundy. Razor and Jarrett never really worked. Um, The Bulldog needed a guy with him to really make him work, and he didn't have one there. Uh, Brett had fucking Piper handicapping him the whole time. Owen had Yoko, and he was against 1995 version of the Smoking Guns. And, uh, you know, Diesel and Shawn Michaels put on a good match, but that's, that, you know, that's about it. So You're nicer um, to that match than I am. 
I like that match. That's a that's a PWI match of the year, pal. So you leave that match alone. Sean, I could name. I think I can name ten matches from '95 that were better than that one. Some of them Shawn Michaels matches. Um. Well, you could put Shawn Michaels and Jarrett from In Your House there. Um, uh, Brett. Uh, I like Brett and Hakushi from In Your House. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. That one. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brett, he's um, old Survivor Series. Brett and Bulldog in December. Yeah, that is uh, a good one. I would one. throw Sean and Razor up there. Their second ladder match. I know a lot of people are down on that one, but I like it. Yeah. Um. Trying to think. Well, let's not forget the King of the Ring '95 main event. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah, those are some good ones. Um, yeah. So, all right. Um, I think that's about it for us today. Um, we uh, we'll we'll be here next weekend. Uh, next week. Um, not next weekend. We'll be watching the show this weekend. Um, we didn't get to talk much about NXT, but I'm sure we'll get to that next week. Um, yeah, also, so, Ring of uh, Honor, uh, Super Card of Honor happening this weekend. Bunch of shows happening. This and week. maybe Ring of Honor will be a WWE property soon. <laughs> but we'll see if, if anything like that happens. But, this will um, own the world. Yeah, forever. Um, so uh, for those of you joining us, we definitely do appreciate your support, as always. And But I am Eric Clancy alongside Mr. Patrick Kelly, and we are... Signing off. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.